0: Profit is not cash. Conscious saying, I'm going to launch a Facebook ad today. Everyone can only handle I
1: feel like we need to stop putting ourselves in
0: restrictions. What do you actually want out of your business?
1: You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Galil Springer. For your industry, by your industry. The first time we talked about the recruitment crisis in the hair and beauty industry on the podcast was in October 2017 in an interview with UK-based salon owner Sam Pierce. You'd hope that 5 years later things would have improved. But instead, in April 2022, a report commissioned by the National Hair and Beauty Federation from Pragmatics Advisory confirmed a skills crisis in the hair and beauty sector, sharing that 57% of hair and beauty businesses in the UK have unfilled vacancies. And while the report identifies threats to the future of the sector in the UK specifically, we're hearing salon owners globally also talking about the challenges they're running into when it comes to finding, hiring, and retaining skilled staff. Upon release of the report, the NHBF called on the entire hair and beauty industry to pull together to tackle an interlinking network of contributing factors, both direct and indirect, or as they coined it, the perfect storm of issues that have been steadily building over time, shaping this crisis. The report divvies up the factors into three categories, exploring each of them, one after the other. Qualification and training, recruitment and retention, and then financial pressures. Any one factor is a multi-pronged challenge to solve in itself and at different levels as in employers, businesses, government, and trade bodies. What's worrisome about this skills crisis is that the demand for services in turn isn't showing signs of slowing down, which can lead to a dangerous side effect, salon owners rushing the recruitment process and making bad hiring decisions, which is exactly what we'll be talking about today with a guest you've heard from earlier this year on the podcast. According to a Harvard Business Review article from 2019, only about a third of U.S. companies report that they monitor whether their hiring practices lead to good employees, few of them do so carefully, and only a minority even track cost per hire and time to hire. And yet a bad hire can have a massive impact on your business. It can affect your brand and its reputation, employee morale and culture. I mean, those are just the ones that we talk about the most, right? And I think everybody listening will already know and understand that. But what about the financial implications? Would you be able to put a figure on how much a bad hiring decision could cost your salon or spa?
0: I I believe there are quite a few interlinked factors, direct and indirect, that uh, have sadly built over time to create some real challenges for us to recruit. And and I'm talking as a salon owner and as a recruiter. I think recruiting for skills and experience has been the biggest challenge so far. For example, only in March this year, in the UK only, we had 50% of vacancies across the board were unfilled. The most um, cost-effective recruitment channel may not be the most appropriate or successful method, as you know, (laughs) Um, because it may not bring you the number of all oh, quality of candidates that you need in a timely manner and I think it's 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 one of those things that you will need to see with your, your own business in terms of um, what has worked for you in the past and why.
1: Stefania Rossi's journey within the industry, combined with her extensive business management and specialist recruitment skills, led her to create Stefania Rossi Recruitment, an international recruitment agency for the hair and beauty industry. She prides herself on her ability to motivate, retain, and develop great teams, and her recruitment agency solves a key challenge that most salon owners face, finding talented stylists and therapists. But Stefania is also a proud salon owner herself and therefore is no stranger to the current realities of a sector, which is why today's conversation will have her engage from either and sometimes both standpoints. So, without further ado, welcome back to Forest FM, Stefania. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I mean, the last time we spoke, you were um, just back from giving a talk uh, in Spain, in Malaga, Spain, to the Forest staff, um, and there was a big internal hype to get you on the podcast. So, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this for a second time now this year.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's always an absolute pleasure to be here on on the podcast and and talking to you, Zoe. Well, the
1: pleasure is all mine, Stefania. I mean, our conversations are always very insightful and it's a pleasure to have them with you, especially considering how these topics that we tackle, you know, recruitment and retention can be quite um, charged sometimes, you know, like salon owners have been struggling with this quite a bit in the last few years. So obviously today, you know, we've agreed to talk about the true costs of poor hiring decisions. Um, But just to bring it back a little, in our previous conversation on Forest FM, we talked about culture, vision, community and communication. We discussed how you left the corporate world to become a salon owner. And although you didn't have to recruit staff when you took ownership of Utopia Beauty and Advanced Skincare, your salon, um, like we said, you know, you managed to retain almost the entire staff team. Recruitment is something that you're extremely passionate about, and you get excited about sharing that passion and helping others meet and hire their dream teams, too. So to ease into today's conversation, I'd love to hear your take on what the latest trends in recruitment are and what impact they're having on the hair and beauty industry.
0: Oh, thank you, Zoe. Yes, I've, I've, I definitely think, obviously, as you know, recruitment is a very important topic and is a, certainly a topic that is very close to my heart. Um, as really, I've got two hats. I'm a salon owner, first and foremost. So, you know, the importance of recruiting the right people around you is, is obviously quite critical. But ultimately, um, I'm a recruiter. So, I help, you know, hair and beauty salon owners um, recruit the best talent possible, um, making sure that, obviously, that they have um, the culture, um, there is a culture fit for them, and also they, they, they are trying to rec- to attract the, possi- the best possible people for the businesses. I think um, over the last couple of years, we've certainly seen an increase in skill shortage across the hair and beauty industry, mm-hmm. and recruitment has been and still is a real concern for most of us, salon owners. Um, And also, Zoe, it's uh, well documented that salon owners are really struggling in finding experienced, skilled staff. So I guess one of the the key trends that we've seen, particularly over the last year, is that it's definitely been a candidate-driven market. There's definitely been a significant change uh, with more jobs available than there are candidates. Applicants hold more power over us, employers, <laughs> and they can easily negotiate better salaries mm-hmm. and benefits from, from, from the companies that are desperate to secure the talent. Um, so I can definitely see that that has been one of the predominant trends. Right. Another trend that we've seen is also uh, employer branding has become a very competitive differentiator across the, the hair and beauty industry. We've seen how important it is for all of our salon owners to promote our own salons, to try and to attract the best talent. Yeah. And, and the importance really to showcase how wonderful our, our workplace and, and, and how can we make it more attractive and desirable um, and, and really prioritise all those elements that, that will appeal to our target candidates. And with that in mind, I think you touched on on company culture again, which again is becoming very important to align um, the employees' personalities and values to our own values and and mission. As we know that if if individuals that we're trying to attract don't share the same values, they're certainly not interested in, in working for us. Yeah. Um, and thirdly, I'll say that one another key trend for, for us in, in the hair and beauty industry is the massive focus that we're actually putting on retention, retaining our own employees. Do you feel like that's increased in the last like two, three years? Yes, I definitely think um, we obviously are trying to keep. Hold of our, our own staff because once they leave, we know that uh, you know having a skills shortage out there. But ultimately, it's it's a cost involved with it, with trying to recruit a new member of staff. And I think what we've seen is that. Employers are now trying to work more with the individuals and trying to really um, promote the skills that these individuals have so that we can actually create better career paths for those individuals and provide, mm-hmm. you know, trying to develop those skills and those expertise so that, uh, you know, these employees become experts in their own right. So, almost like creating a dream job. And that's why I definitely think that uh, that's it's been one of the one of the the main key trends as well that we've certainly seen. And obviously, you know, having you know pandemic in, over the last couple of years hasn't helped.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, obviously, yeah, it's been it's been a tough time for everyone. Um, well, like aside from lacking systems, I guess because I, I feel like that's that's something that um, might impact a lot of the the recruitment difficulties i guess um what would be aside from that the biggest struggles that you're seeing salon owners face today like obviously you know keep in mind everything that you've just said um and how like the pandemics obviously affected a lot of how candidates the 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 power i guess that candidates have now um in terms of negotiation and stuff
0: um, I, I believe there are quite a few interlinked factors direct and indirect that have uh, sadly built over time to create some real challenges for us to recruit and and I'm talking as a salon owner as, and as a recruiter I think Recruiting for skills and experience has been the biggest challenge so far. And I think we've seen the fact that another challenge that we've seen is the lack of individuals for different reasons, as I said, direct or indirect. So we know that self-employment has grown massively across the industry, Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately leaving us with with vacancies. Candidate experience, again, is the biggest drive for us because... Is leaving a shortage of employers recruiting for trainees or young graduates because we actually don't have the time, and we have the financial constraints that we actually need to get a turnover going. So we don't have the time to, to train individuals and get them on board from a very sort of a, from a, a trainee point of view. Also, I think that um, we've we've seen that uh, individuals have left our wonderful hair and beauty sector because of the demand of uh, of higher salaries and a better work-life balance that, again, you know, is uh, been a, a factor uh, following, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, the increased cost of living has made uh, individuals reconsider their careers and have career changes. Uh, better, better prospects elsewhere. So, again, living, you know, as employers, with you know more vacancies that that we ever had, um, I've also think that uh, for us salon owners, keeping staff morale and staff motivation high, again, yeah. given all the changes that we've been thrown at over the last couple of years, has been, um, again. A, 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 a challenge, a challenge that perhaps we were not prepared uh, to, and we didn't know how to deal with. You know, yeah. we had to, you know, motivate ourselves. We had to drive a business. We had to drive a business to keep it open, although we were closed. So I think that is also had an impact. And. Um, I think we shouldn't forget that, uh, clients loyalty as well, because, you know, it's, it's a big worry as well for us. You know, yeah. this is a challenge that we have when we have vacancies and when we can recruit a member of staff fast enough, what's going to happen to that client? Uh, you know, they were obviously, you know, very keen and, um, keep coming back to the same therapist so or to the same hairdresser, yeah. um, And, you know, getting clients coming back. So that is also been, this is also another massive challenge for us in the industry. And last but not least, (laughs) as you know, I'm very keen on processes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think also the the lack of of recruitment plans in place has also been a a major factor. One of the factors that possibly scares us because uh, when I talk to salon owners, Recruitment doesn't is is very much a a reaction, uh, a reactive process, rather than actually have, having the process well embedded into the, our overall business strategy and, and yeah. business plans.
1: Yeah, because ideally you'd love to have those kind of plans run through like the entire year, so that whenever you do have a vacancy, you have
0: something to fall back onto, right? Absolutely, and having you know that process that you can follow immediately, and have you know potentially even a, a pool of candidates that you can you can call on uh, immediately. Uh, but like anything, it's it's the rush of dealing with a process that we're mm-hmm. not used to. And to be honest, sometimes you know recruitment is um, is a process, or is one of those activities that. Either hate, either like or hate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well you're talking about rushing the process and I feel like one of the dangers with that is to have either make a bad hiring decision or end up just in general with like a bad hire you know you realize you wake up one day and you're like oh god okay this was not this was not supposed to go this way Um, but uh, and we'll be talking about that a whole lot more obviously but before we do I want to make sure that we're all on the same page it might seem like a very simple kind of thing to think about okay bad hire we all know what that is but I do want to make sure that we kind of define it so that when we're talking about this throughout the episode, we have a common definition to refer back to. So what would you or like who exactly are we talking about um, when we're talking about bad hires like in your book? What's a bad hire?
0: So the definition of a bad hire is when we've selected an unsuitable candidate for the role and they are not fit to perform that particular role. And very often, this is not just down to the candidate, but I firmly believe that there are two critical factors of bad hire. And the most common factor is to have unclear job descriptions and Mm -hmm. poor interviews. And obviously, that will lead us to poor hiring decisions. So definitely a bad hire is someone that has um, has not made it. Mm-hmm. they haven't you know they haven't succeeded into into the position for whatever reason
1: yeah. Okay. Perfect. And
0: we have definitely failed. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: So when you talk about recruitment, um, and this will be, I think, the the, the first big question um, in in diving into you know bad hires and how that impacts our businesses. Um, when you talk about recruitment, you often share this analogy, and I love this, uh, where you talk about how salon owners are so careful and take their time before purchasing new equipment for their salon that they understand the big financial commitment. But when it comes to recruitment, things don't really get seen the same way. Um, You were just actually mentioning uh, an anecdote from whenever you go and do a presentation, a live presentation, you were saying, what's the the one thing that um, owners tell you when you ask them their biggest asset Is, is usually they'll reply,
0: some piece of equipment, right? Yes. And, and it's crazy, isn't it? And, and I, I, it took me a few years to actually um, come to this because I, what, what I usually start um, a, a presentation. I usually say to, to, to salon owners and employers, what um, is the, you know, the biggest asset in your business? And nine out of 10 is the biggest, most expensive piece of equipment. So that came to actually think, you know, when, and I I was one of those, you know, when I needed to, to, increment my treatment menu, mm-hmm. I would go out there, I will do as much research as possible, I would do competitive pricing, I would check, um, the, the you know, how much would the cost, uh, what is the performance, I want to have a treatment, I want to make sure that I would, you know, I'll get the, 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 the supplies to come to terms. And sometimes it takes about three to six months before I actually made a financial um, uh, commitment. Yeah. So for me, you know, I was, I was, a bit, I'm always a little bit shocked when you know we always say our biggest assets are is, is our equipment, and actually no, our biggest asset is the people, uh, the employees that work for us, because they either make or break our business, and mm-hmm. without them, who's going to operate the equipment anyway? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true, <laughs> that's very
1: true, and yeah, and and you're you're so right when you say you know employees make or break our businesses. I mean, at the end of the day. It's like if you, if, you have, if you don't have the right people and the right team and, and, you know, things going smoothly, it can have an impact on your clients. It can have an impact on your culture. It can have an impact on your finances. Like.
0: I know, and it's crazy. I, I'm going to give you some statistics. Um, for example, only in March this year, in the UK only, we had, you know, 50% of vacancies across the board were unfilled, and the average, which is crazy number, isn't it? It is. It is very yeah. worrying. Yeah. And the average time to actually fill those vacancies would be around 16 weeks.
1: Which is so long when you compare it to, um, to just like the average time it takes to fill a job like in all sectors like kind of combined in, in the U.S. I think that that time is like between something like 36 to 40 days or something like that. And, and 16 weeks, like we're talking over a hundred days at that stage. Like it's, it's triple the time. It's crazy.
0: It is. It is. And if you think, you know, the loss, as you said, the revenue, uh, the impact that is having on the teams that, you know, are, are taking over the, that particular piece of mm-hmm. work, they overworked and also on the clients, because if you have a waiting list of clients that you can serve, ultimately they'll go elsewhere. Yeah. Just
1: to come back to that, like that question that you ask salon owners when you do a presentation, right? What's your What's your bis- biggest valuable asset? And people answer equipment instead of answering staff. Um, I wonder if that is perhaps because when we talk about you know a bad hire and, and the impacts that it can have on your business, we typically default to like saying the impact on the culture, but maybe we don't talk about as much, anyways about like the financial cost that comes with a bad hire, like putting mm. a number on it and actually seeing it for what it is, you know, also from that perspective. because it does have a financial impact. So I was mm. wondering if we, maybe we could try and put a number on that. Like how much does it cost, or can it cost a salon to make a bad hire? Um, when I was doing this, some research, I mean, I could I couldn't find anything specific to the hair and beauty industry, but I mean, I'm sure with all of your connections, you might have a number. Um, but I did find that in the U.S., the median cost per hire, and this is like across industries, across sectors, um, median cost per hire is a thousand six hundred in and around while the average cost per hire is then four thousand four hundred um, so and then when you're talking about the cost of a loss or like a bad hire, that can cost anywhere between four thousand and fifteen thousand dollars. So I find those stats or those numbers like pretty substantial. like if I was to you know be a salon owner and, and see that okay, well, it costs me maybe about you know two thousand dollars to hire someone, but it could cost me up to like, $10,000 to make the wrong hiring decision, I feel like I'd take that process pretty seriously mm. then, you know? <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in uh, generally the cost per individual hire is independent of the salon size, um, but there may be some variations due to the length of recruitment process, for example, the number of interviews, the selection process, uh, but normally... Um, you know, recruitment activities are pretty much all fixed for most positions that we we, we hire for. So on average, uh, I can give you some, you know, in the UK, on average, um, an employee on £25,000 of salary, the average recruitment cost would be around 1800 to £2,000. And that's taken into consideration, you know, a, a clear breakdown. I'm sure we're going to go a little bit more in detail later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But on top of this, we'd also need to include the loss of productivity and there is obviously an impact on revenue and some salons will need to get an interim. So obviously, if you need to get a temp in, particularly to try to help you out, obviously that that cost will also uh, will increase as well. Um, but if we if we look at generally a bad hire, the loss for a small independent business would be in the average of twelve thousand pounds. That's still quite a lot, twelve thousand. Yes, and again it is, and again that's just an average because it will depend on the type of role, the salary, the time taken to to recruit a replacement, um, and uh, and also you know as as we said before, if you are in need of having an interim person. Mhm. So it 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 really does open your eyes up a little bit thinking actually you know it's it's very important that I do take the recruitment process and um and and I do take care of my employees and I do try to to keep them and retain them. Yeah. Yeah
1: because another stat that you had and and shared with me um you said that according to research 40% of new hires will fail within the first 18 months. you know, like, (laughs) that's a crazy amount of people when you think about it. And if you're thinking, if you add on the $12,000 even, you know, or even if you brought it down to $10,000 like it's still like just I'm seeing the numbers add up and it's just it's making me stressed just thinking about it It you know yes like and I'm sure that you know like a bigger salon with a you know huge turnover might be able to absorb a bit more of that like every now and again but like I feel like a smaller salon would you know like you you don't really have that margin for error all that much or maybe I'm wrong I don't know what's your take on that?
0: I, I, I think that, I don't think it's a yes or no answer, as there are so many factors that really determine the best approach, you know, to, to recruit. But I also think that it's, it really puts a priority about how how do we recruit? Yeah. You know, and, and, and particularly what is the, the, the most important part of the recruitment? This is, I mean, you know, the 40% of, of individuals failing in, in the first 18 months is all down to rushing the recruitment process. It's down to poor hiring decisions. It's down to not uh, having clear um, uh, job descriptions, mm-hmm. not, you know, not having clear interview uh, techniques, because obviously we're not matching that individual career aspirations or, yeah. you know, uh, skills to what we're looking for. And I'll tell you something else as well that's quite important. We, and I put myself into it, um, you know, many years ago, we have a tendency in the hair and beauty industry to recruit for now. Mm-hmm. And again, that is one of the biggest mistakes that we also make because we we need to really think about what is our plans now and for the future because you can't just employ those skills, the skills that you really need for now. You need to think about the future so you can, you know, grow, help your business grow and prosper. So what what individuals you need, what, 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 you know, what skill set and in fact align what that person brings to the table in the future for you as well because that's what happens that, you know, that 12 month period comes, the person potentially is not well motivated. They hasn't got that development that was promised to have or what he actually, or she hoped to have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we definitely need to bear in mind when we think about um, the the immediate uh, recruitment needs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like when you say, you know, hiring for not just now, but for the future as well, I feel like if you're in that mindset and that like headspace, you'll probably also put yourself in positions where you can talk to more people, build like a network, a, you know, like build that pool of applicants that maybe aren't ready to work for you just like now today, but they might be a good fit for you in a year's time. And, you know, if you have that pool, if you have that, if you have been doing that networking kind of ongoing process, you might have a bit more, um, you know, people to reach out to than just like being subject to just waiting for the cvs to come in
0: i guess yeah absolutely and i think this is all down to your um market. it's your recruitment strategy mm-hmm. how you're going to be a sourcing so something that is always on on top of your agenda you know we, we as, you, as a reactive obviously we, we tend to go and spend huge amounts of money on job adverts um uh, sometimes obviously recruitment agencies if, if we really stack for that particular job um, but, you know, sometimes we need to think about, you know, getting those networks going in the community, uh, building better relationships with colleges, uh, having and hosting open days for potential employees. Open your doors mm-hmm. to, to potential employees and actually showcase how wonderful uh, your business is to, to work for. And even I usually, I use this all the time. I might not have a vacancy there and then, but I do try to host, you know, open evenings every three months, if I can, and get my team involved. Right. Get them to perhaps do, you know, little videos about them saying, you know, I've been working for Stefania for X amount of years. This is what I love about my job. This is what – and I think that actually really inspires other people as well and it's another way of uh, promoting your business to, to a potential person out there because the wider audience that I believe you can attract, but the better prospects you have as an employer to, to – to to obviously fill the vacancy in a, in in much in a quicker way and in a, a less costly way I would say <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well speaking of costs um, you said oh we'll probably break that figure down um, later and I would love to do that because uh, we're talking about sourcing costs and interviews and onboarding and all that so the you said that the average cost to hire uh, or fill a vacancy is around eighteen hundred to two thousand pounds in the UK. (laughs) Where's that kind of like figure breakdown to how much like on average are people like spending on sourcing costs, screenings, interviews, onboarding, training,
0: Sure. Um, so generally, this is what I see um, most of the time when I recruit uh, for, for myself and for other salaries. So obviously, job adverts, recruitment agencies, our average, obviously, recruitment agencies, we're talking about thousands of pounds because um, it's a percentage of, of a gross annual salary. Yeah. But if you if you were to do a job ad, for example, sponsored, you, you are looking around 500 pounds uh, to 600 pounds. You then have all the screening Costs, and again, this is down to your hiring manager. So this is literally how much would you spend? I usually say two or three hours a day for how long, depending again how many mm-hmm. CVs you've got to. Uh, so you need to put that into the equation. Um, that it is all about hours spent. Yeah. Um, interview costs. Again, this is down to time.
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: I was going to cost my time, two or three hours a day for say a couple of weeks, again depending on the, the volume of, of of interviews. Again, that is a large, you know, proportion of, of money allocated to, to, to that. And yeah. then you've got all the onboarding costs. And that can be, you know, again, hundreds of pounds, sometimes even we're talking about thousands of pounds here. Um, I mean, when I said 2,000 pounds, I was quite generous because, for example, training can be internal, can be external. But then if you look into equipment training or external training, which is specific certification with your suppliers, you'll be looking at including travel expenses for your new employee. You'll be looking at accommodation for the new employee. Mm-hmm. And then let's not forget about uniforms.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: as well, and don't forget about you know the shadowing and the mentoring. So you're taking away your current team members to obviously help you know settling in the new team member as well. So obviously that has a bit of an effect on loss of revenue as well for your mm-hmm. business. So loss of productivity there again. Yeah, and um, and another thing, obviously, when you have a new member of staff, you know that they're not going to be producing 100% immediately. So for the first, you know, four weeks, they might only be doing 25% of of productivity for your business. You know, the next eight weeks, you're going to be increasing to 35 to 40%. It's only within the first three months to six months that they will be up to speed. And obviously, that's why when we talk about, that's why we, salon owners are all chasing experienced people, yeah. <laughs> experienced employees. So if yeah. you think, you know, the, the cost, once you look at breaking down this cost, there is so many things to consider. I mean, if, I, if, you, if I'm going to give an example, I, I've just taken on new uniforms for a couple of, of, of my receptionists and every single uniform per person, because you need to give them a couple of changes and new shoes and things like that, you're looking at about £300 pounds per person.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you know, and that is think that oh, it's it's a cost. Yes, it's a cost because you know, in the meantime, we're not, we still have to to make sure that we, we are bringing in some some revenue.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for salons who you know maybe are struggling to get an abundance of CVs in, or just generally speaking, have a small pool of applicants to speak to. Would it be, you know, would the cost per hire figure be something to consider in terms of tracking and and diving into, um, to perhaps better understand where to concentrate their efforts uh, when it comes to recruitment channels that typically work best for them?
0: I love this question, <laughs> and this question is also one of the questions that I get asked all the time when I do consultancy <laughs> as well. Um, and, and this is, again, is, there is no yes or no answer to this, but i will try to answer the best possible way, Zoe. So, for me, the most, the, so the most um, cost-effective recruitment channel may not be the most appropriate or successful method, as you know, right. <laughs> um, because it may not bring you the number of uh, or quality of candidates that you need in a timely manner.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So, for example, hiring a candidate through word of mouth or recommendation will certainly be the most cost-effective. Um, but there is effectively no external recruitment cost. But they've all, you know, you can always say that they may only provide one candidate through, in, through using that particular channel. Um, so it's a channel over which you'd have really minimal control of. And I think it's it's. Uh, it, it's one of those things that you will need to see with your, your own business in terms of um, what has worked for you in the past and why. Okay, why were you successful? There is no one way over the other that is most obviously cost-effective, as we know. Recommendations, word of mouth, uh, um, having a referral program on, on you know, employee referral programs—they're all very, very cost-effective. Right. but will they give you the number of candidates that you need potentially not so you need to look at a, a number of ways as we said there is not you know right or wrong um, I mean for me in in my salon one of the uh, most effective ways that I've always uh, recruited has been um, my open evenings events uh, having mm-hmm. you know opening my doors um, promoting opportunities, uh, within the business, offering work placements when I had an opportunity, and really trying, you know, using your social media as well to to promote um, a business that where you can grow, a business where you know you, you um, we have a, obviously a, a good reputation so that would be my biggest advice to, to 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 an employer to you know go back and think what has been successful in the past and and really try you know try new new methods if you never contacted colleges if you never went on networking events open days things like that i definitely think it's um it, it's it's uh, it's very very important but ultimately is also your advert and and mm-hmm. again this is where it's crazy. I I see so many adverts on a daily basis where people say, Stefania, please take some time. Uh, could you have a look at this advert for me? And I was like, Yes, yeah, certainly. Send it over. And I wasn't expecting to receive five pages of an advert. And I say, <laughs> <laughs> I say, would you, if I was looking for a job? Do you think? I mean, when you when as salon owners, when we put an advert, yeah. we scroll through and we got what, you know, ten seconds. That we, we immediately get attracted to the right person. Our, our pool of talent is exactly the same. They want to know, yeah. why would I be attracted to that job? And I think this is another little tip. Make sure that your job advert is very clear in terms of who you are, who you stand for, what you're looking for clearly in terms of person specifics, and will mm-hmm. you have an offer because whatever that person is looking for, you need to align what you're looking for with that person, what's that person looking for as well. I think we need to be very mindful that individuals are motivated by different things. So when I'm looking yeah. for a new position, as salon owners think that the biggest, most important key factor for the employee will be the financial reward. And actually, we don't push you know, our, the culture and environment, which now is becoming, as we sp- uh, see, when we started our conversation zoe is so important for individuals it's you know having um uh, additional flexibilities in the workplace and uh, and having that work life mm-hmm. balance so if you got great, you know more flexibilities and down the rotors that could potentially be attracting other individuals um, the career developments and and you know, Which people huge. people yeah. might not be looking for to, to have the next job promotion, but career development means different things to different people. It would be, you know, having the opportunity to continue upskilling within the within the workplace rather than actually taking on additional responsibilities. Um and mm-hmm. and so it's quite important that we do spend some time listing what we believe Everything we've got, even if it's free parking. I know some people might say, "Oh, free parking." Yeah, free parking might be very, you know, something that will will, will make or break the person to accept your job offer or not over a, over a competitor. Um. So yeah, I, I think you know more than ever now. We also need to think that we do spend a very large proportion of time in work. That's true. Yeah, and having you know. A safe, wonderful environment to be working in—it's—it's uh, it's important, and that's obviously all part of the culture.
1: Yeah, and obviously the landscape of work has changed dramatically in in the last two years. Many industries where businesses would have had their staff work from offices now, you know, are all working remotely. Except, you know, in the hair and beauty industry, it doesn't work that way. You have to work. From the salon or from the spa, and so yeah, you are spending a lot of time at work.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it is a you know it's 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 that fun environment. It's it's um, you know the culture and environment. Mm-hmm. It's all the magic of working together. Yeah. Um, which obviously can again have in a bad a bad impact if we do have a bad hire within the team
1: <laughs> yeah i mean 100% and i'm sure it has an impact also on just the the motivation of like managerial teams and uh, people who mentor uh, new staff within the salon or spa um you know at some point when you're you're always starting from scratch um i'm sure there's like some sort of like fatigue that that comes into play um But yeah, I guess this brings me on to uh, another, one of my last two questions, actually, um, because this is coming to an end, but I think we should cover those two last questions that I have for you um, before we wrap things up. Let's say a bad hire slips through the cracks, right? And you now have to deal with the repercussions of that. What do you do? Where do you start?
0: So if, if, um, if we definitely identified that the person is not fit for the role, or, and they either have resigned or potentially didn't pass the probationary period, whatever reason is, I would definitely have to start recruitment all over again. <laughs> <the game. laughs> right. So we're back at square one. I, uh, but my first step, Zoe, uh, would be certainly to review um, why I hired the wrong person mm-hmm. and look up really my recruitment approach and understand how this has happened and if I need to adjust my process. And this is where I usually suggest uh, for to, for salon owners to really have a recruitment plan in place. So, you know, they actually follow the process, as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, without rushing. So if we have basically hired someone uh, that was wrong, there is definitely something that where we've gone wrong. So first and foremost, analyse why. Analyse your recruitment needs again. Mm-hmm. You know the skills again that you, you are recruiting for, the skills gaps that you have within your team, um, and again go back to, to to square one and basics. Define the role, the, the specification for the role, because potentially we hire someone that was in a wrong job right. or with the wrong skills. We didn't ask. We didn't ask. We didn't ask the, the right questions. Potentially, uh, the person. Put, Maybe I misunderstood the job role again. It could be to down to, to, you know, to communication. Um, and again, I would be looking at, in a very costly way, what methods I was using to source candidates, depending on the, um, on how quickly I need to, to, obviously, recruit for that person, and. And then again, re- review the the selection overall selection. Your advert, your interview, questions. Particularly mm-hmm. involve your team again is one of my biggest um, advices to 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 employers. You know, uh, do employ, do, do get your team involved because obviously having some feedback within the team is also quite important. Yeah. And it's also a great way to 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 make sure that the team is is part of of and they're fully involved as well. Um, and once you have actually offered a job, then make sure that you, you, you have a really well-defined um, induction plan. Because again, you know, we know that, um, again, induction, inductions could be one of the reasons why individuals are left to leave because they don't feel that they actually signed, is, is what they signed up for.
1: Yeah, they don't feel the support, yeah.
0: And they left, yeah, let, without support, without motivation, and without really the the the, the, the equipment, uh, you know, the, the support methods that they need to succeed uh, with, with their role.
1: Right. So my last question, Stefania, brings it back to the interview stage, actually. Um, I'm wondering if you have a list of warning signs or red flags to spot bad hires or to prevent um, yourself from making a bad hiring decision?
0: Yes. So uh, I'm going to be now answering as if salon owner. <laughs> so for me, it'll be um, the, the, the questions I ask usually when I involve my... So the first interview will be with myself and I'll be asking certain questions. And then I will get, uh, if, if that person was successful and they will be again in, in, invited to the second interview, that person will be asked exactly the same questions. And this is here is the biggest red flag where we have definitely identified bluffers, what we call bluffers, because they've, they've you know, uh, they, they've answered me in a way and they've actually answered totally different information to the second type of, of, of uh, to the second interview and that's why it's so important that we also take notes and we are consistent with, mm. with our interview process because then we can go back and check so for me that would be um, one of the biggest uh, uh, number one flags the second one would be if the person is overconfident during the interview, or over familiar mm-hmm. uh, thinking that you know they have a great connection with you and um and then they, they actually think oh I've got the job in the back right so again that it's, it's it seems you know kind of mm. um when they asked about can we uh, do you have uh, references to someone that we can contact in the case that you'll be successful and again at that at that uh, stage or if they're a little bit cagey or not very clear about what to contact for me that is always a bit of an alarm an alarm (laughs) bell Uh, another alarm another red flag would be if if I was asked if I was asking them to to be bringing certificates and qualifications for example um, and they would forget to bring information as part of the interview process. Again, I'm like, "Mm, how interested are you? And another one that for me is very important is if that candidate has actually done any research over our business. And this is one of the most important questions I always ask about, what do you know about us? Why do you want to work for me? If they really want that job for me, it's it's a big sign that they've actually done enough research. Uh, they know exactly where to park, what time they need to turn up at the interview because they've already seen the area, they've done the research about the area, the location, and things like that. And they know well, they know enough to be wanting to to work for me. Right. Um. So yeah, I guess that's that's kind of like you know my big the big my ones. personal yeah the big ones I guess for me. <laughs>
1: I think they're pretty big. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Listen, Stefania, this has been absolutely fantastic. You obviously have a wealth of knowledge in the recruitment sector. Um, I said this earlier um, when we started the interview, well, just before actually we started the interview, um, you are the founder of Stefania Rossi Recruitment, an international recruitment agency for the hair and beauty sector. Um, But you're also working on Hidden Talent, which is a free resource um, also related to recruitment. So um, maybe I, I, I would love to hear you a bit more on that specifically, and also maybe if you could just share um, you know, how people can reach out to you, uh, where they can find you online.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Zoe. Um, yeah, Hidden Talent was launched uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and I'm in the process of um, updating all the content. Mm-hmm. It's an online resource and was very much developed in um, in answer of a skill shortage and helping hair and beauty salon owners. Getting candidates to be more employable, better uh, informed about how to present themselves to us as salon owners. And and there'll be a database so uh, individuals could just um, upskill themselves through lots of videos, content, little helps, uh, getting inspiration from, you know, individuals in, in the industry and ultimately it'd be an opportunity for them to ask for help. I don't know how to write a CV, uh, drop the CV in there so, you know, I could sort of see. And and it's totally been a labor of love, which I'm very passionate about. It's going to be relaunched the next few months. So um, watch out for that. Um, yeah, but it's, it's to really help individuals become more employable and for employers to have a little bit more help in terms of getting better skilled uh, and prepared candidates through the door. The easiest way to contact me is uh, on my website, stefaniarossi.co.uk. Um, my email is there. Um, yeah, drop me a line. Um, that's that's the easiest and quickest way to get hold of me. And it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you, Zoe. You and I could talk forever. <laughs>
1: I know, I know. It's always, it's always such a great time. And I feel like we always have, you know, a lot of things to bounce off each other, you know. <laughs> it's just like, oh yes, this thing. Oh, and this other thing. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I have another idea too. Anyways, but it has been absolutely fantastic. I can't thank you enough once again for your time and all the insights that you share. It's really, really appreciated.
0: It's always a pleasure. And it's been an absolute wonderful time spending time with you, Zoe, as always.
1: Thank you. The feeling's very mutual. (laughs) I'll
0: see you soon.
1: I want to come back to the report commissioned by the NHBF, but more specifically, the recommendations that Pragmatics Advisory made according to their research and their survey and all the interviews they did. Here are some of the things they came to a program of complementary and far-reaching measures from interventions in the early stages of training, including improved college courses and better marketing of the sector, to tackling the factors impacting on business growth. And having the hair and beauty industry set the standards it wants and needs would go some way to addressing the skills gap. Specifics include better marketing of careers, improving college courses, improving relationships with schools, increasing funding provision, Establishing support networks for business owners and professionals, ensuring ongoing training and reskilling, and there's plenty more potential interventions at government, industry, or salon levels that are um, listed in that report. So, for those interested, the report is titled Careers at the Cutting Edge Tackling the Skills Shortage in the Hair and Beauty Sector, and it can be found linked in today's show notes. Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to forestcom forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show, as well as check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at forestfm at forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting edge post production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great
0: moments.